Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Happy at Work podcast. And today I'm excited to have two guests, both from Microsoft, Terrell Barnes and Daniel Grossi. Hi, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Michael. So Terrell and Danielle, you do these amazing jobs at Microsoft. And since they're technical and I want to get them right, could I ask you to introduce yourselves and and maybe any other side gigs or other things that you're doing so we get a get a sense of who you are? Terrell, would you like to start? Sure. Thanks so much, Michael. My name's Terrell Barnes, and I'm an employee experience global black belt here at Microsoft. Our global black belt teams sit in between our product and engineering teams, which includes Danielle, and then our uh, field account teams and, and customers. And so we keep that feedback loop tight by bringing uh, feedback about our products and features and functionality um, to the product and engineering team directly from the uh, customers and account teams. Great. I also host a podcast um, with a co-host here at Microsoft. It's on Fridays. It's called Midday Cafe. And we talk all about our um, new generative AI solutions, Microsoft Copilot, and all of the things that we're starting to see and, and roll out here at Microsoft as well. Oh, excellent. Beautiful. Well, welcome to the show, Terrell. And Danielle. Yes, Danielle Grossi. I am a program manager, principal program manager in the office engineering organization at Microsoft. I originally met Terrell when we were both working on the same uh, product that is uh, now grown into a mainstream product at Microsoft. And uh, and now I'm doing something completely different than than the product that we did before, which was Viva Insights uh, that Terrell is, is working on. Uh, and so I'm now building sovereign clouds for governments who want to have their own sovereign cloud uh, with Microsoft technology, but they want to have possession control and autonomy of their of their own cloud. So that's a completely different project in office engineering that I'm working on now. Wow, how interesting. Well, this is going to be a fun talk. So today we're going to be talking about AI, artificial intelligence, and let's just jump in so we can cover some content. What's trending? What's what's new and good in AI? Well, uh, lots of things, Michael. Um, so first of all, I just want to make sure everyone understands that we have brought um, ChatGBT into all of the Office products, and it's called Microsoft Copilot. And so it is um, leveraging that generative AI functionality in, in the Office products. And um, so we have 32 Copilots right now. So you're going to hear a lot about Copilots. Um, but what we're really starting to see is um, a lot of the uh, research and trends coming out of our latest Work Trends Index report. And it's specifically around um, this new equation for performance. So trying to become a high-performing organization by focusing on um, engagement, employee engagement, and productivity, and putting those together to um, really become a high-performing organization. And Danielle, anything trending on your end in this space? Yeah, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, where we're at right now with 
for example, the Sovereign Cloud builds and all of these things, like everything that Terrell is talking about and where she's front and center with the customers is really the cutting, bleeding edge of what's going on with our customers, right? And then the Sovereign Cloud space, as you can probably imagine that we'll talk about a little bit later is, you know, the reason why people want Sovereign Clouds is because they want to keep out the bad stuff, right? They want to uh, make sure that they can control all the technology and all the, and any, you know, data flows in and out. And as we all know, anything that has to do with AI needs lots of data to be able to uh, build and run and crunch these models in order to be able to uh, produce a result that is useful to the end user. And so if it's interesting, we find this actually really hard, all of the, the new cutting edge technology to bring into these sovereign solutions, because it kind of breaks the, that that ideology of we want to keep everything controlled and keep the bad stuff out. Well, we need data and models to be able to help you. But if you don't want that data and all of those models in your environment, then you won't be able to take advantage of all of that great technology. So it's kind of uh, it, it's 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 a bit difficult, you know, with these with these different solutions. And I guess it would be really expensive if you wanted to control the input data because you need so much of it. Correct. That's right. You need a ton of data to be able to run these models. And uh, and if you're not allowing that data in or you're not allowing any data out to be able to, I guess, profit from what the models will tell you, then it's really hard to use that technology. Right. It lights up with data. Right. So I'm thinking if they if they tried to modify it for safety, they might just get lower quality output. Correct. And that's not as useful. That's right. That's right. That's well, the trade-off, though. Yeah, it's got to be challenging to run a government. I guess they're always like, "Oh, how do we, how do we handle this one?" <laughs> Let's get them on the cloud first. A lot of governments are still on-prem, right? They're still running their own data centers. They're not even in the cloud yet. So, baby wow. steps. <laughs> yeah, baby steps, baby steps, absolutely. Yeah. And Terrell, I'd, I'd like to talk about that performance equation, just because this is the Happy at Work podcast that we teach the yeah. workplace. So this is like right up our alley. Uh, so this equation is involving engagement and productivity. Can you tell us a little bit more about how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So we did a, um, a study, our um, Glint People Science team did a study in 2022, and we looked at 226 organizations that were publicly traded. So U.S.-based organizations traded on the um, U.S. stock. And they we, we paired up their employee engagement scores and their um, stock valuation. And we looked at them for the whole entire year, January to December of 2022. And what we found was striking, a huge correlation between high performance and employee engagement. So for the um, companies that had the most engaged employees, they were much more higher performing, over 20% higher than the, um, the companies that had the lower engagement scores. And some of that was, um, there were 3 million employees involved in the study, but that was just really showing that, you know, they were much more resilient. And in a year where the stock market really was hit hard in 2022, they were still able to, to perform way above average. And it was all, you know, looking back at like uh, employees that are highly engaged are less likely to leave the company. They're more likely to be focused on their work and energized at work. Um, and that, so they're just higher performing. And so we really kind of honed in on the different aspects of um, of culture at the company and and the way they were working and and came up with a framework to become a higher performing organization. 
And it starts with just being able to assess where you are today and kind of quantify culture and quantify engagement and then, um, you know, address it like, okay, so I'm going to take action on what I'm seeing here. You know, if, if people are in meetings so often that they can't like get deeper work done and they have to work after hours and on the weekends, how is that impacting their engagement and our overall performance? And so once you find out what's impacting those different aspects, then being able to um, make those changes and then keep iterating on that cycle. And we call it the, the feedback flywheel. So we're continuing to measure, we're taking action, and then we're um, you know, deciding, okay, how do we improve and how do we reiterate again? This is so interesting. Before I uh, became a professor, I was a stock market timer. So I'm always looking for uh, predictive indicators. And what's interesting is when you talk about engagement, I know that an engaged employee earns about 80% more uh, profit-wise for the organization. So that makes sense that an engaged portfolio versus a non-engaged portfolio uh, is going to have a 20% delta. So that makes sense. Uh, what was the the time period that you were looking at? How many years was it? It was one year, the the whole calendar year of 2022. Uh, and so you have a you have a bear market in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's super robust. Because if if, the, if it was a bull market, you'd be like, yeah, well, was it that or is it something else? So that's actually a great uh, a great thing to look at. But if you could find that data that this is an uh, a high engaged employee organization, then it would make sense that that could be a filter on yeah, I'll give it a green light uh, for a possible buy. Uh, very interesting. I love that. Um, and I also want to ask a little bit about uh, Microsoft Copilot, which is basically Chat GPT embedded into your products. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of PowerPoint. I use it all the time. Is it in there? <laughs> it it is for for some of us in the um earlier um builds at Microsoft. So we're all of our employee experience solutions, it's really cool. We're customer zero for them. So we're basically beta testing them at, on, you know, the employees. And so Danielle probably has it in her environment as well. But um, yeah. yeah, so PowerPoints, like one of the PowerPoint and Excel, I think are the two that people are really super excited about. So yeah, having it kind of go over all this content that I've created and, um, you know, different um, reports and such, and then put them together into a beautiful presentation in like five seconds. And then I can say, oh, you know, I want a few more visuals in there. And yes, it does all of that for you. I was going to ask, how how is ChatGPT going to be used in PowerPoint? Any examples of what I can get excited about? <laughs> well, um, how how much of a power user are you? Oh, I mean, I'm on it like three, four hours a day. So I okay. I use the translator like I'm teaching in Brazil tomorrow. It's going to be next week. Uh, so I just make my I make the, the slides that are cut in half, and I just use the the translator into Portuguese. It's like you know, quick, quick, quick. Uh, always online pictures. Um, <clears throat> so I use that one quite a bit. It, it would it, will it have Dali in it where I can put like and say design me a picture. And then I could put that into a slide. It's like Dolly, I think, I think is the visual part of ChatGPT. Right. I think you could use a doll, an external version of Dolly and have it use the visual it created in your PowerPoint. Yes, absolutely. Oh, how exciting. Well, now I know what I want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's, let's keep going just because we have so many cool things to chat about. Um, little bad stuff on AI. Can you talk to me about layoffs? What, what should we know about that? What's that? What's that looking like in the AI world from your perspective? 
Well, I, I mean, so, you know, companies are continuously going through like these reorganizations and having to reevaluate different parts of the different functions and different parts of the teams that, you know, just no longer are, are meeting, you know, the, a goal that they initially had and moving things around. But I, I guess it's the automation that's coming from AI where that could impact some jobs. Um, but mostly we're seeing it as a way to like take some of the grunt work away mm. and then unleash creativity. And that's really where our CEO, Satya Nadella, talks about how the the upside of all of this. And it's it's all about like getting, you know, the opportunity to reskill employees and, and providing them that opportunity. So as an example, in our um, Viva Learning product, um, Copilot will help, like if I wanted to go from like zero to expert on machine learning, for example, I could have Copilot design a customized learning path for me that would um, use the courses I have access to in my organization and then build out that learning path for me to, to do that. So that's just one example of how it, it can really customize um, like a skilling for um, an employee um, with, you know, very little like work on the back end from any learning admin or any other part of the organization. So I, I think, yes, there's going to be a, an impact to um, the way we work. I mean, a, a fundamental impact, but by learning how to take advantage of the technology and use the technology and write the prompts you're, you're going to make yourself much more marketable as an employee for a different type of job. It makes yeah, sense. just to add on on the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Michael. Oh, go ahead, Danielle. I was just going to add on to the filling the skills gap, you know, for me personally, as a, as a manager at Microsoft and uh, having the opportunity to hire folks once in a while, I can tell you that JazzGPT has changed my life, you know, the co-pilot in, in Word to help me write the job descriptions in such a way that will attract the talent that I need, but also in a very, um, in ensuring diversity and inclusion in the language that is used for the job description, right? And so I would write the job description based on what I need, and then the co-pilot will actually fix it and say, this is actually a better way to write this to, you know, broaden the scope of attracting the right people or, you know, filling the skill gaps. It's, it's really, it's truly that co-pilot for you. Like the name is actually awesome for this technology because it is your, your sidecar of help to really create the content that you need. Uh, it's almost reading your mind. So that's been super helpful in terms of filling skills gaps or helping to hire, helping me as a manager to hire people. I love that. And I, I like to throw in as much creativity and also like maybe break new things. And when chat GPT came out, I, I had a Spanish tutor, an online Spanish tutor, and I was just chatting with him. And I said, uh, you know, who's your favorite author? And he said, Jane Austen, and he's from Mexico city. And I went to chat GPT and I said, write me a beautiful 500 word poem about the beauty of Mexico city in easy to understand Spanish in the style of Jane Austen. And bloop, it like popped it out and, and it, it was good. It was good. And now I have it do these, um, my childhood favorite authors were people that would do like, you know, little like Nancy Drew and like kind of like an easy Agatha Christie sort of thing. And I just have it make me these bedtime stories. And it's, it's funny. It does get repetitive. There's always a map. There's always a treasure. And it's like, okay, let's do something besides that. But, <laughs> but, it's, but it's, it's, not, it's, it's just nice because you, it, 
for productivity and just giving you that extra boost, that extra oomph, it really help. It's almost a, it's almost a, like a sounding board, right? Sometimes I will use it to just try to try ideas out and just see what it brings back for me. And uh, whether it's in word or PowerPoint or whatever, and it just is really helpful in day-to-day work, whether it's hiring or creating a PowerPoint, like all the hours that you spend in PowerPoint, Michael, or anything else, it's just an awesome, you know, sidecar tool to to help you through the day. Uh, I av- absolutely love it. So can't say enough about it. it. It's also really good if you say these are the three random ingredients I have in my refrigerator. Make me make me yes. different. Ooh, I like that. I do that too. I do that too because I get so irritated that we have we buy so much food and then we don't use it all right before things start going bad. And so my grandma. She was the best in opening up the fridge or the cupboards and being like, okay, I'm going to, and she would create a masterpiece. My grandma from Southern France. Yeah. I don't know how she did it, but she always did. And so I feel like for those examples, that's like my grandma calling. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay. These are the five things I have. What, what can I, what can I, you know, throw together something magical. It's so, like, look, it's grandma's in chat GPT now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting so many good ideas from y'all. I, I feel like I'm boring because I just have it like read all my emails from my manager and outline all the action items that I need <laughs> to do. That's huge. That's yeah, huge. Absolutely. I think I think it's really fun to play with it. Um, so now I wanted to talk about using AI for onboarding and retention. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Sorrel, do you want to start or shall I? Please go ahead. So uh, onboarding and retention, this is very top of mind for me because uh, I am bringing on a couple of of folks for these giant uh, sovereign cloud projects that are very special and very unique to Microsoft, right? And uh, like Terrell mentioned before, this Viva Learning uh, learning path that you can create that's very custom and specific to a person for something that they need to learn, especially something very specialized, which is what I'm working on, is immensely helpful because we have endless troves of learning and onboarding stuff inside of Microsoft, endless. And to be able to have technology to basically go through and put it together for me so that I can relay that to my new hire and say, this is what you need to work on so you can be successful in X, Y, and Z, changes my world as a manager. Equally for the employee, they feel like they have something that is specific to them, to what they want to grow to be, right? It's not the cookie cutter, here's this track and here, go learn Azure, go learn Office. It's, this is for you. You know, we have a conversation when you started my team, we figure out what your goals are and then we can use the AI technology to really customize that for the person. And then they're more engaged through that because they know this is specifically for them. And then we can talk about it and see how they're making progress, where they're getting stuck. So just having that kind of, you know, white glove experience almost, but within the AI technology is also a game changer inside of this company. I love that. I mean, it's 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 better. And it would take forever to try to make a custom, a custom onboarding package for someone. I love that. Do you do you think AI can be helpful with retain with retention, keeping people in the organization? Terrell? I do, absolutely. Um, so one of our solutions for Viva is um called it's Viva Glint, and it's an engagement survey platform. 
And we're able to, based on, you know, the, the signals that come back from the survey of the employees, um, it's able to leverage AI to, to build word clouds and see what's top of mind and all the sentiment coming out around these certain areas. And it's able to do that in just like a, a couple days versus the old way where it was weeks for, for like the team to get back the results from an engagement survey and then even more weeks for them to actually deliver it to, to leadership so they can do some take some action on what employees are feeling. And there you go, you're like several months later from the point in time when you captured that data. So that's just one example of how it really can accelerate um, that, that feedback for leadership. So, so here's a random question because I, I love to just like throw out random questions. Um, the number one way to retain people at an organization is, is for them to have a best friend at work. So let's say that Terrell, someone wants to, the competitor wants to double your salary and you're all excited about it, but then you're like, oh my God, Danielle's like my best bud at, at Microsoft and I'm going to lose her. And now I'm realizing I won't know anyone at the new place and maybe they won't like me. And, you know, it could cause some hesitancy for the good to keep you at Microsoft. And I'm wondering... Do you have enough data about your employees at Microsoft where you put that into AI and it pops out and says, hey, Michael, I know you're going to hot yoga today at noon. Danielle and Terrell, who you haven't met yet, they like it too. Why don't you go together? I think it'll be kind of fun to like find some buddies to go to yoga with or, you know, like Danielle, uh, we've we've chatted before. Um, you know, I love to sail. Maybe they said, hey, you know, Danielle likes to sail as well. And Terrell's kind of interested. Do you think it could do that? Just like using it for a social? I, I, we definitely have the data. I was just going to say we have, I think we have the data inside of Microsoft. And uh, as I've said before, I think on a previous podcast, Michael, is that, you know, we can't just use all the data willy nilly any way we want, right? There's yeah. a lot of strict rules inside of Microsoft around how we use any data for anything. Um, so just want to always reemphasize that for anybody who listens, it's not like we have carte blanche over all the data and anybody can use it or look at it for what they want. However, you can certainly take that data and create kind of a case study uh, based on that. You know, things that we've done with customers in Viva Insights is really just looking at the data points and correlating them in a way to tell the story that you need to tell. So, for example, if you did want to look at insights about how employees whether they're on the same team or across different teams are interacting with each other naturally, just through maybe email signals or Teams chat signals. Again, not looking at the content, just looking at the signals, you know, pinging from one address to the other. You can extract how many touch points somebody has with somebody else. You don't know what they're talking about, but you know they have touch points. Oh. And so through that, you could potentially say, okay, you know, Terrell and Danielle have a lot obviously that to do with each other, whether that's because they're best friends or because it has all to do with business and customers, we don't know because we can't see the content of what what's in there. But oh. you could you could assume, you could infer that they have a relationship of some sort. And then you could somehow create a campaign, a cultural campaign inside of your organization of you know bringing people together on a social level. I could see that happening. But um but of course, it would depend on, you know, the level of detail that we would be allowed to get about that data. But just the raw signals of who is contact, who is in contact with whom, over how many times, over what frequency, et cetera, is certainly possible. 
And Terrell, I cut you off. I didn't want to do that. (laughs) Oh, no, I love that example. And I love to hear you um, build a vision. Um, That's really cool. I was just going to mention, we do have the capability, like as an, as an employee, I have a, like a kind of private view of my own, um, like, uh, I guess, an analysis or network of who I'm working with. And I can ha- I can set it up to ping me and say, hey, you know, you haven't had a touch point with Danielle in a while. Um, would you like, you're both available next Tuesday at two. Would you like to set up a, a meeting? And it, I can schedule it right from there. It's sure. called Viva Insights. And it's totally private to me. So it's it's like a fitness tracker at work for me. Like I, I can also measure like how much um, after hours I'm spending and also how many times I've like allowed my focus time to be impacted and such. So it, it, it even gives me like uh, feedback on how often I'm multitasking during meetings. Um, if I'm sending emails during meetings and it'll tell me that if I'm late to meetings often, it, it gives me all those scores. So you can get as kind of nerdy on the data about how you're working as you'd like. I, I think that would be so cool because I, I do know that we are discussing like how often do we need to get together or should we get together, get together, you know, in person, because that is still very important. And so looking at that cadence, um, is important. And it's, it's something that I, I think is being addressed. I appreciate the respect for the anonymity uh, of people's uh, data, but I'm thinking if this was an opt-in thing, like, Hey, Michael, you right. work at Microsoft, you know, you up for some drinking buddies. Sure. Put my, put my name in the ring. I think then uh, I would be fine with it. I would be fine with it. That that's what it is. We're on the same wavelength. I was just going to say the same thing is that we have inside of Microsoft, for example, in our SharePoint portal, we have kind of like contact cards per person, right? Like you have your global address book where you can see, you know, Terrell's name and email address and phone number if I need to contact her. But we also have a little contact card that could be a little bit more verbose in terms of who I am and what I'm doing. And I could imagine that, again, as an opt-in, I could put in there, you know, I enjoy, you know, sailing or whatever it is. And potentially you could correlate those data points to create groups inside of Microsoft that enjoy the same things. And then you're bringing people together on a social level, all with an opt-in that can then decide, hey, you know, we do want to hang out with each other. We want to, you know, find a bestie or whatever. And I I love that idea. I think that's great. If anyone is working at Tinder who's listening to this, I think this, (laughs) this is so easy. I can stop swiping, you know, it would just be like, just just dump all the available ones. You know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love it. And so the next thing I was going to talk about was driving innovation, but I think we were already driving. You know? Yeah. I mean, on the, on the customer front for uh, offloading grunt work, I mean, I, okay. So I think for me personally, I am more uh, internal. So my view is, like I was telling you before with regard to just basic things like job descriptions, right? There I can I can throw something on a piece of paper and offload that to Copilot to help me increase that or or help me improve that, right? By by miles, by the way. Um and we have so many other technology or so many other things that we have to do in Excel all day long. By the way, I don't know if I've mentioned this recently, but I think we should charge a million dollars a license for Excel because if Excel didn't exist, I think 90% of the world would go under. 
But anyway, <laughs> pricing is not up to me. <laughs> but there's so but Excel is a powerful tool anyway. And then adding copilot to that is like on steroids through the roof. So talk about offloading grunt work to function to productivity tools that we already have that are already helping us in being productive. And then adding this layer of AI on top of it just increases everything. I feel like the speed at which we're going is neck breaking at this point uh, internally at Microsoft of all of the the tools that we can use. And then all the interconnectivity of these tools and this fabric across all of our tools of AI being embedded as part of the fabric across all of our tools is just elevating everything to another level uh, in terms of how we can get work done. So that's for me in being internal to all of the tools. I don't I don't get to speak to the outside world as much anymore now that I'm working on the, the sovereign cloud projects and engineering. But I can just tell you internally, uh, being able to uh, apply all of this helps us with our all of our internal work of just being more efficient, right? And because we're in engineering and we get access to all of this technology as it's coming out, meaning it is buggy and we are the ones that get to test it. Um, but also we create that feedback loop to the engineers that are building all of this. It helps us immensely with just getting ourselves organized and making sure we can deliver on our customer promises, you know, like building a cloud. A, a story that came to mind is um, I, I, I'm working on my coaching certification through Brown and I have my daughter is Gen Z. So her her classmates have just, you know, they're early in careers or first year working. And one of them I was just asking about, like, what's your, you know, experience been? What do you like about it? She's like, you know, she works for a life sciences company. She's a consultant. She's like, I love the work. It's so fascinating. I, I love the content of what I'm doing. I hate the late nights of building the PowerPoints. It's just hours of trying to put everything together in the PowerPoint. So back to your PowerPoint story, like all of that gets reduced down to, you know, one hour of work to put everything that's the fun stuff all into the pretty PowerPoint. And there you go. And that's just a, a great way of uh, an example of offloading the grunt work, because I, I feel like the more um, kind of cerebral your work is, the less you want to spend doing, putting it all into the pretty, you know, presentation. Yeah. What I love about what you said is, so one person might want to offload the PowerPoint. And for me, as nerdy as this is going to sound, for me, it's an, it's a creative expression that I go into flow when I do PowerPoints. I just, I like picking my pictures. I, I like do, I like cropping. I like playing around with my fonts and stuff. And it's all about, I just imagine how the class is flowing. Like, what would you want to see up on the screen? And I just keep imagining how the class is going because I, I can see it in the PowerPoint. And so I actually will take hours and hours because I enjoy it. I, I like right. doing that, but right. I don't tell people, oh, I'm an artist. I, I do PowerPoint because I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I think we're all artists, though. My, have you read that book um, by Rick Rubin, The Creative Act? No. It's fabulous. No. It, uh, the Creative Act, A Way of Being. And he, the beginning, the first page, he talks about how not most of us won't say we're artists, but we really are all artists, you know, in a way. Well, I like the flexibility that everyone gets that, yeah, I can do my PowerPoints by hand. Someone else can offload it and go to bed at a normal time and, and, and get a good night's sleep. So I like that flexibility. And as much as we're drinking the Kool-Aid on, on AI, there are some who are resistant to adopting it. And what would you, what would you say to them? 
Um, I mean, it's it's here, it's happening. And if they're in organizations where they're kind of kicking and screaming, uh, any thoughts on how to make the world a better place for them? I, I'll just say this, and I'd love to hear uh, Terrell's experience as well, being on the forefront, you know, directly with customers talking about this, is that just like anything else, this this technology is new. It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of the uncontrolled, potentially. And I think that is the first thing to just acknowledge with anybody who is a bit resistant to it, to adopting or adapting to this is that, hey, like we get this, this is new and it may, it may sound scary, but with everything, it's it's how you put policies and governance around it and how you use it responsibly, but still being able to utilize the power of it but just being responsible about it, right? If we think about, and it's not just it's not just all of this generative AI and chat GPT, it's everything in technology that we have up to this date. A lot of things can be used for bad, a lot of things, but it's about how does each company enforce their policies around it so that it can be used ethically, properly, and safely for everybody. And also within laws, right? You know, in the state of California, we have, I think, the, the strongest data privacy laws in the country. That may be old data now, but at, at one time that we did. And if you look at Europe, extremely, extremely strict laws around, around data and data privacy and security. And so, uh, and I can talk a little bit about that in a second as well. And so I think that the initial reaction is always, oh my gosh, what is this new thing? And I think it's just about sitting down and saying, okay, what are you, what are you afraid of? And then let's talk about how we can put a policy or some use, usage around, usage guidelines around that so that we can roll it out in a responsible way, because these are all the benefits that you're going to get out of it. You're going to save time on this. You're going to be able to offload grunt work. You're going to be able to drive more innovation. You're going to be able to you know, create um, more engaged uh, um, employees and retain them, right? So you can kind of list off all of the benefits but then try to figure out how can we minimize risk and take care of the fear that people are feeling. So that's kind of my two cents on that. What do you, what do you say, Terrell? I agree hundred percent. And, you know, one thing, and, and Danielle can, you know, her work is, speaks to this is where Microsoft's like built on trust and privacy and security. It's a, at the heart of everything we do. And that's why we're building these, Danielle's teams are building these government clouds because they they trust our our stance in that way, um, and because we we do have the best security in the world. But I I feel like you it's all built on that. So so we're not allowing you know a side of their you know trust boundary or their their cloud. Um, so that's one thing. I think having these open conversations internally as an organization with leadership needs to be having these conversations and coming up with a strategy and and a governance plan and and really making sure that they are addressing this um, because uh, sometimes I, I see customers just turning everything off. Okay, we're afraid of this. We don't know. So we're turning it off. And unfortunately, that often comes from the legal team. And then, you know, years later, so we have some customers that want to get into the private previews for, for Copilot. Well, they have had all of the stuff turned off for several years. Like, okay, well, you're going to have to turn these things on now because this is a readiness and a requirement to be able to adopt these newer technologies and, and test them out. So um, I think facing your fear head on and then kind of coming up with a, a, a plan. 
co-pilot can help you write that storyline to address the fears <laughs> and risks. <laughs> so awesome. if yeah, you yeah, if yeah, you yeah, want yeah. to throw something in PowerPoint and turn on co-pilot to help you with that storyline to walk the customer or the internal group through that, then that can also be helpful. And then you can turn around and say, see, co-pilot helped me actually have this conversation with you to to address your fears and concerns. That is so funny. Afraid of chat GPT. Look what it says to calm you down. This is, this is like wonderful. Well, thank you for all the time that, that you spent with us on the podcast today. And uh, any final words that you'd like to leave with our audience before we say goodbye today? Uh, Terrell, anything you'd like to say before we, we leave? Thank you so much for having me and having us. And um, I'm a big cyclist, so I'm just going to say, please share the road. Oh, 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 I love, I love that. that. I love that. Be, be nice. <laughs> be nice, people. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, Danielle, exactly. how about you? Final final thoughts? Just thank you so much, Michael. It's always a pleasure to work with you. Uh, I always feel very uh, energized after we chat, whether it's here or if I'm, you know, guest speaking in one of your one of your classes. Uh, it's always always good energy. So thank you for having us. Oh, I, I love having you both. It's just so nice to be like, oh, I'm going to talk to people about the future that's actually happening at their jobs, which is just really cool for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, thank you so much. And we'll probably have you back on the show in like six months and find out, you know, what's new in our world. So thank you again. Great. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts. Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon.